Welcome to Social Web Cafe's Social Cafe Interactive. This week we are talking about affiliate marketing. We're on season 12 and episode 49. The immersive event that was born from the geeky entertainment mind of Deborah E. in 2012. And it bloomed into web show, podcast, also propelling her to be recognized as a global influencer in video podcasting. And all this continuing to be the number one jazz singer in her life. So welcome, Gail. Welcome, Martin. And affiliate marketing. That's kind of an, an old topic, and yet it could be a new topic, depending on how you look at it. Hey, I have a question for you guys, one that I don't think I put in the chat. What is your projection for 2024? Do you think this is still going to be a popular thing? Do you think affiliate marketing will kind of die out? Or do you think it'll just keep going like it always has? Well, it's lasted this long. I don't <laughs> think it's going away. It, Google sometimes makes it harder and people quit, but then they find some other way to get traffic and so you think if it kind of goes up and down and, and it's got its ebbs and flows, it's just not, it's, I was going to say, for some reason, I was going to say it's like toilet paper. It's still, I don't know why that came to mind, but it's like, <laughs> there's always a need. Right. So back <laughs> before, uh, before we met, right. Affiliate marketing was big. I knew people that were making six figures because Google gave their content traffic. And then one day Google kind of took all the traffic away and so their sales tanked and some of them had to take on other jobs or work. And, but, but there are still people that make big money with affiliate marketing. Most of the people I know, they just have, you know, they'll, they'll have a link for something they actually use, or they'll have a page on their site about these are the things I use and here's my links. And then if I mean, no pressure, like they're not actually affiliate marketers. They're, people who do something who happen to have a few affiliate links or maybe a lot of affiliate links, but their, their primary focus isn't affiliate. It's kind of complementary to whatever they're doing. Like, Hey, this is what I do, but um, this is something else that I sell that also goes with what I'm doing. I, that is the definition of complementary. I just contradicted. Right. So Christy Hines has a, a really good page of like 200, great affiliate programs for bloggers to look at. And so if you go to, I think it's at christyhines.com, just put in aff affiliate programs and she has a page and it's got all the programs on it. So you do like affiliate programs in quotes, site, colon, christyhines.com in your Google search. And there you go. Yeah. I don't think you have to <laughs> get that fancy with it. I'm a geek. Yeah. What can I say? I I mean, if it's hard to find, that would be one way, but I don't think it's hard to find there. And welcome, Tom. I'm so, welcome. <laughs> and I want to come back. I love the, the stuff that you were saying in the Twitter chat, the controversial aspect of affiliate marketing. But pop over to Martin. Martin was putting his thumbs up on the, you think affiliate marketing will be going strong in 2024? Yes, if it's provide any value, uh, it will. So if you could save money, on good stuff and you could earn money and live a good life use good products i think it's more valuable for saas 
because like some some products are so complicated that even people that use them don't know how to use everything. And so I think there's a lot of room for like an SEO type person could could have post after post on features in SEM Rush, for example, on how to use it. Because I don't think most people that have a SEM Rush subscription have a clue what it does. They do, they have a couple things they do, and they don't know all the other stuff. And so I think that there's a lot of value if you actually use something and you can actually provide like step by step instructions how to do something or or an overview of this is why I have this tool and this is what it does for me, you know, some actually applications of the tool, I think that that's valuable. And if I'm looking for something and I'm reading your post and you give me the most information about it, I, why should I mind if you get a small, small commission after you did all that stuff that helped? So like Ann Smarty should be recommending, you know, SEM Rush. <laughs> right, yeah. So anything that, that you want to, anything you actually mm -hmm. use. The, the problem with affiliate marketing is all these top three whatever's posts online where they just pick the, two, the three that pay the best mm -hmm. and rank them by how much they get paid commission, right? There is no value to that except to the person who did it. It is like hosting companies is a common one. You don't have any idea whether those are good or bad. All you know is that, you know, that that guy recommended those three. But there are some real affiliate program sites for hosting where they actually test the hosts and they have a graph and it says uptime, mm -hmm. outages, um, speed, you know, and, and they rank them by do they have their, their servers overloaded and is that slowing down your site, Right. So there is, there are valuable, um, like a hosting related website where they actually tested a bunch of hosts. It's like having KPIs. Yeah, right. But those sites where it says top three, whatever, I don't trust those because I don't believe those are the top three. I think those are the top three that pay the best. What about the sites that I've seen somewhere? For instance, um, and I know I'm, I'm not picky on Riverside. It's just easy to say Riverside because we're actually recording this on Riverside. No, I'm not. I, okay, I'm an affiliate Riverside, but I can't remember what my link is. Um, <laughs> but for instance, Riverside would put out an article. And I think they do have an article like this where they'll say the best places to um, host your, your, you know, like what we're doing, <laughs> your live stream. And they'll actually list themselves and they won't put themselves at the, the top. They'll actually put themselves at the bottom. I've seen several different companies do this. And they'll, they'll list other companies, and they will actually evaluate the different features. They'll come up with kind of like KPIs. And they'll it'll be a thoughtful listing. Usually it's about 10 different companies. I've seen several different articles like that where the, the company that is hosting the article will put themselves at the bottom. Um, or, or even if they put them at the top, it's, it's actually well thought out. It's not like they put a bias towards themselves. What do you think of those, Gail? And then Martin, yeah, I wanted to hear, obviously, Martin and Tom, your thoughts too. I'm just saying with Gail brought up no, the... Go ahead and let, let Martin say something. Julie was messaging me and I was answering. <laughs> uh, and I seen that and I think that's pretty okay. But I, many of them are pretty same thing. So I, I said, as Gail is saying, that you're doing it in a personal way. 
I'm using this as a good good thing. But I think that's good, and it's good for SEO, and it's good for having a list. You could find some other and getting curious. What's that uh, service? I have I have found that thanks to a, a blog post like that. Do you think it's it's a buyer beware kind of thing where you yeah, look at hey it, are it, they it, really it, evaluating the the KPIs or the the met you know? And the same mm-hmm. thing with KPI and others. I mean, at, at least in Sweden, lo- lots of regular hosting companies. They have all these kind of lists. Right. So, so yes, it's going to be worse now because of AI, mm. right? So now anybody who knows nothing about anything can regurgitate basically kind of copies of 10 compiled whatever's that AI is doing, right, and publish. Mm. But generally speaking, hopefully people get wise. They can, they can recognize AI. AI tends to be repetitive, Right. So if you see content that says such and such, blah, 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 such and such, blah, 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 such and such, blah, blah, blah. If you see that, you know that an AI generated that. And you have to like interact with the person like you have to know it's a real person. If you see someone that, you know, and they have published something, hopefully, even if they AI generated it, they at least made sure it was right. But if you see some random site. And you don't know who that person is. I would not believe AI apparently makes stuff up. AI is not an accurate way to generate content, at least not now. And so it is always buyer beware. And people are always a little are always a little biased. There's no way to be not biased, right? If you had a hosting company and you had a bad experience, you may be down on them. You know, but sometimes things fail. And then, you know, you may have a hosting company. You've never personally had a bad experience, so you think they're okay. But there's a zillion negative reviews of people that had really bad experiences with that company. And so, you know, you always have to read. It's like when I, when I evaluate products. I go to Amazon. I read all the negative reviews first. Then I read the positive reviews. And if somebody's just blasting something, I'll go read their other reviews because a lot of times people that just like to bash, all their reviews are pretty much bash. And you know that person you can ignore. Right. 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 right? So it's like if you're evaluating something, even a, anything affiliate, right? Go to G2. used to be mm-hmm. G2 Crowd. Go to G2.com. Read the reviews there. You'll learn a lot of stuff. Like you'll find a limitation that you didn't come across anywhere else in, in a comment or review on G2 or on Captera. There's one other one, right? There's Captera, there's G2, there's there's a third one. It eludes me. Name. I'd have to go back in time. Yeah, but there's three places. And they have a, extensive reviews. They have video reviews. And they have all kinds of comments and rankings. And so, yeah. But I think affiliate marketing done well is is legitimate and it's good for everybody involved. And, you know, and then the other kind just, you know, if you see a site and it says top three, anythings, probably assume that's probably one of those template pick the top three and don't go there. There you go. Right. And Tom, you'd brought up some concerns on the Twitter chat. Well, it, it depends on whether we're talking about specifics of a particular affiliate arrangement 
or affiliate marketing in general. Um, there are some good matches. There are some overlaps in, in the, and let's just use the email list. That's not the only way, but the email list that, that people might share and say, Hey, my good friend, so-and-so has got this great product. I've seen it. It works. But if, if they are on similar paths in terms of a high potential for overlap of interest between two separate mailing lists, that, that can work. And I've seen numbers and people have promoted that. I've dabbled in a little bit myself. I've got, um, I have a subscription with um, an author network and they have all kinds of resources that I've used extensively from little animations that, that have my book cover and, and all kinds of stock photos that I can put my, my book in it, you know, just good, good resources. And I got in early and it, you know, it's a good deal. And they've, they approached me and said, Hey, would you like to join the affiliate marketing for our, our next big package sale? And, and I tried it a bit, but the truth is while I may have some, some authors that, that follow me or I follow them in the, the Twitter world, <coughs> excuse me, my email list is focused on uh, government contracting and leadership and not leadership writing so much as leadership developing leaders. And so I, I had no success. I, you know, literally none came out of that. So that made me think it through a little more thoroughly and say, well, who would I know that would have a list I could use? And ironically, in my market, having been around as long as I've been around, nobody compares. <laughs> my, my list is probably the best one out there. And and when I've chatted with others about that, just exploring and saying, hey, you know, I, have you ever done any affiliate marketing? I get this, I've heard of that, but I really know anything about it. You know, I wouldn't want to do anything. And it's like, well, you know, that, that's not going to be a pro, uh, productive arrangement. So what I've also experienced is on the reception end of it. I may be on six different people's lists because I think each one offers something different. And then something comes up and I get this, hey, don't you think you would benefit from this? My friend Joe does this. And within an hour, I get another message from one of the other six that says, hey, my friend Joe has just put out, the, and I, I end up with five different messages over the same dang thing, which by the way, I have no interest in to begin with. <laughs> and so what's happened is in a couple of those cases, like, okay, these are clearly redundant, delete, delete, delete. And I, I get off the list. So I think there's some long-term damage that can be done to your brand if you aren't really careful about it. I think the bulk of the people doing it are not careful about it. And so while I can agree that the concept makes sense and it is a good marketing approach if executed properly, my experience on both sides of that says, this really isn't something I'm going to dig into. I, I could make, I can do better marketing myself in ways other than affiliate marketing because who else has a list that has a concentration of the people that I market to. That makes sense. That that seems odd that that would happen though, because if I were wanting to send something to someone's list, I wouldn't send it to a bunch of rel you know related lists all at the same time. I see that a lot. I mean, I think I do. I'll I'll get like six different people send the same thing all in a row in my email. Yeah. Well, yeah, if they're okay. So if it's some kind of big push for Black Friday or something, maybe, but, but in general though, it would make more sense for like one to send it on in January and another one to send it in March and another one to send it in May 
right? Because because you're going to have that overlap. Well, and Gail, I agree with you completely. Sending should realize the overlap problem and avoid it. I think they don't realize it because it's like one person, like for instance, in the PLR market, everybody seems to know, everybody seems to know everybody. So one person will say, hey, I'm going to have this little thing about puppy dogs. I'm going to let you know that next week we're going to have this little PLR all about puppy dogs. Oh, great. We're going to do it about puppy dogs. Then all of these 10 people send it out to all of their lists about the puppy dog PLR. And it just so happens that I know all of those 10 people because they normally sell things about kitty cats. So all on their lists about kitty cats, I get the email that says, oh, this week we're going to have this PLR from this wonderful person over here about puppy dogs. And so I get 10 emails that's normally about kitty cats, different kitty cats, because they're 10 different kitty cats. But now we have this thing about the 10 same puppy dogs. <laughs> it's like, all right, I got it. I got it. And I also heard about the puppy dogs because I also know the gal that knows the puppy dogs. <laughs> and that's how it ends up always being the same email. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be a problem. We should, we should strive not to do that. Conceptually, I agree with what you're saying. I just feel that as it's executed, that's really poorly done. And it's, it's rare to find the one that seems successful. And, of course, that's the one you hear about. You know, one time, two people got together and really did a, a good job of it, had a success. And they go, you know, we made 10,000 sales because, uh, great, I'm happy for you. It's not my thing. Yeah, but to do it all at once in the same niche, you're going to dilute your results. Exactly. That and that's how I see it. That's why you shouldn't do it that way. Agreed. It's bad execution. And some don't. Like, for instance, I was I was thinking about a... Um, this came up Black Friday, unrelated, but I was thinking about a coupon. I looked at it on a dashboard thing I had, and the coupon was Eileen, Miss Eileen, as in Miss Eileen Smith. And the coupon was that, and I thought mm -hmm. that was a program that was set up just for her, only her, because not everybody's name is Eileen. And that, that would be an example, Gail, you know, where obviously only that one went out for Miss Eileen. And maybe, you know, more affiliate marketers or not affiliate marketers, but the the parent company should be doing that where it's like, hey, we're going to have this, but we're only going to have it for this particular affiliate marketer who happens to have 10,000 people on their list or whatever. And this is a special coupon at this time for this puppy dog this week. And we'll do something over for this person, this puppy dog in two weeks, you know, with this special deal. Is that feasible? Yeah, I mean, they have, they control the mm -hmm. timing. It, when that happens, that is the person that's making the deal to send it to a list that made mm -hmm. that error. Because the guy who owns each list may not have any idea that he's doing that. Maybe that's something someone at the parent company is not thinking about, <laughs> that they're flooding the market and then they're not getting... Because they could have, you know, if they do that, they might get multiple puppy dogs sold <laughs> if they actually spread it out. And <laughs> well, let me let me pose it from a little different angle too. We still make jokes about the Nigerian prince, and the reason we make the jokes is because people people are still taken in by it. And and the point is that no matter how often we joke about it or talk about it or warn people about it, somebody's going to give into it, and that's the reason why. The Nigerian Prince emails keep showing up because they work. Oh. And so to some degree, affiliate marketing, and, and maybe I'm making a bad comparison to the Nigerian Prince in this process, but, but I think you understand my analogy here in that 
the reason affiliate marketing can work and will continue is because it can be well executed. I just don't think it is. I think too many of them are Nigerian prince-like more than credible affiliate marketing arrangements. Well, affiliate marketing has a serious problem that if you're on the buyer's end, you have no clue. And that is that there are a whole lot of ways to steal people's commissions. And so if you were a serious affiliate marketer, you could have a serious problem because there are sites that overwrite the code. Like, let's say I give one of you my code and you go to buy something and you click on my link, but you have something installed like a free toolbar or a free tool of some kind or some hacker type person put something in your browser. And even though you clicked on my link, I don't get the credit. It go the credit goes to someone else. And so there's that problem. It's the same thing. Like if you're an e-commerce store, you have an advertising problem. If you have listings on a shopping site, like Google shopping, and you have, you're paying per click on Google ads and you're on comparison sites, the same buyer could, click on your ad and then go check the prices on some other site on Google shopping and then go check the reviews on some comparison site. And you're actually paying for that same customer four times. And when that happens, you better be selling them something expensive or you just lost money. Wow. Ouch. Yeah, and we've got a lot of those things now where all, I'm all the time, something's trying to get me to install some toolbar, Citibank or some some bank Capital, has one. Cap Capital One, one maybe. One, yeah. Right, so those kind of things, I have a feeling, steal the affiliate commissions. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that one does, but I know that there are some that do. Yeah, that one's always trying to check to see if like Amazon's the lowest or eBay or yeah, is always checking the prices everywhere. Right. So if you install that in your browser, it could do lots of stuff and you wouldn't know it. Mm -hmm. You don't you unless you're a programmer, you don't know what anything you have installed is doing. And we're not all honest as far as if I hear about something and I know someone's an affiliate, and even if I'm an affiliate, if they told me about it first, I want them to get the commission. So I'll contact them and say, could you please check and make sure you got the commission? Cause I went and purchased this and you should get the commission because you told me about it first. But I doubt that, that everybody does that. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Like everything else, it gets complicated, yeah. Yeah. but, but if you're going to be a good marketer, you need to have wise strategies and blasting it to a bunch of related lists with the with a similar <laughs> overlap is not a good That's idea. That's a good point. Tom's right about that. Well, hey, you know what? We've come up on the hour. And this time I'm actually remembering to ask you, Gail, to um, mention what we're talking about tomorrow at TikTok. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because we changed directions again. And now we are we are trying to associate the TikToks with what happened at Small Biz Fluence. So actually, t this challenge this month is overcoming your fear of failure. Okay. All right. Well, I still want to invite people that aren't already members to join us at bizsugar.com forward slash mastermind. 
doesn't cost anything. You can come ask any question. You can share your experiences. And if I don't know the answer, I know somebody that does. So I would really like us to invite all the small business people and freelancers and agencies to come and be active there because it really can be a very valuable resource. There's, there's a lot of people there. I've known for what, 10 years now, 11, 12 years. Uh, 12, 13, 14, 14. Yeah. the years are flying by. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of good people there. Even, even they pop in or gone for three weeks, come back. There's just a, it's great community there. So, so yes, I second that. And with that, thank you for tuning in. Those of you watching us on YouTube and um, we'll be streaming in other places. Uh, we're adding things, but I won't bore you right now. You can catch us next week. Same place, same time, and we'll see you in other places as weeks go on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe and join us at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to participate live, visit us at socialcafechat.com for more information.